Welcome to Small Business Accelerator, the podcast where we help small businesses create more new opportunities and win more new business. Today's topic is build and leverage an inbound marketing engine. Join our host, Blair Carey, founder of Inside CRO, and David Wench, founder of Epic Sales Management Solutions. As they dig deep with today's guest, Ryan Burrow. Ryan is a channel account manager and a 2020 President's Club Rising Star winner at HubSpot. Well, hello again, Blair. Great to see you. Great to see you, my friend. How was your week? Hey, um, you know things are things are moving forward. I'm 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 encouraged <laughs> by the progress of things and uh, and looking forward. Uh, I'm also, uh, you know, Ryan Burrill is going to be joining us today from HubSpot. Um, sure. You know, uh, you and I come from pretty much an, an outbound background, but, yeah. uh, you know, I, I've certainly seen the need for our all bound solution, which includes this outbound. So I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say today and, uh, and what he shares. Um, be, but, be curious to see what he says in the day of COVID and the times of COVID, what, what the data, how the data has changed or if the data has changed at all from, uh, how, from the inbound attraction strategy perspective. Right. Well, we're, we're gonna we're we're gonna hear what uh, uh, what he says HubSpot is and why to use it and and uh, one of the areas I'm I'm interested in is in their cycle of attract and engage and delight. You know what kind of content are they do they promote in different areas and you know you know have a discussion with him about what are some of the keys to success as well as you know, what are some of the biggest mistakes people make? So I'm, I'm looking sure. for that conversation we have with him today. So it'll be be different than our other buckets. I mean, go ahead. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. You know what? Like you said, it's an all bound strategy. You have to, you have to be pulling on multiple different channels at, at, at the same time, all in parallel in order to achieve the end goal. Yeah. Because you need to communicate the prospect points of view, not where you are communicating. Right. Well, uh, the... Uh, Again, now you you and I know the part about growing existing clients, and we know intentional networking, and we we know multi-touch, multi-channel, but uh, but this will be a different pace, a, a, a different aspect for for our, our listeners and for ourselves. So I'm looking Absolutely. forward to it. Well, Blair, I want to welcome my friend Ryan. Ryan Brill is is actually my HubSpot HubSpot Channel Account Manager. I think I have the title right. Uh, yeah. as, as far as with respect to solutions. And so, uh, you know, we're, we're ready to talk about that inbound portion of all bound. So right. welcome, Let's Ryan. Thanks. Really happy to be here. Thanks for, uh, thanks for letting me join you too. All right. So, so Ryan, we have to start just for, for those people who, who may have different definitions of what inbound marketing is. I mean, from your perspective, from a HubSpot perspective, when we say inbound marketing, what does that mean to you? Yeah, I think I think the best way to define and define inbound marketing is really creating marketing that makes it easy for people to buy from you, right? When you think about going and making any kind of purchase these days with the advent of the internet, uh, we are almost always doing some kind of research first, right? Where we're going, we're reading reviews, we're reading how-to guides, white papers, whatever it is, whether that's something that you're purchasing for yourself. 
I can barely purchase a shirt anymore without looking up and seeing if somebody said it was comfortable, right? Now change that into something that's that's expensive and is gonna impact my business or something like that. I'm gonna see what people are saying about it as well as what the company itself is saying. Uh, so inbound marketing is making sure that that content is out there and available so that when I go to do that research on your company, I find it, right? And it leads me down a path that allows me to educate myself about your product before I ever even speak to you. So that when I do speak to you, I know what I want to talk about. And then hopefully on your side, you're going through a faster sales process with me because you don't have to start educating me from ground zero. Okay. So, and Ryan, you're, you're familiar, um, you know, in my three-part formula to a healthy pipeline uh, that uh, I try to put all the prospecting and lead gen into five buckets. Of course, uh, you may may remember my first version of that, where inbound marketing was listed as bucket number five. And you know, as a sales management consultant, I just thought, well, I'll get to marketing when I get to marketing. And and as I have worked with clients and executed it, you know, my new structure, you know, bucket number one is growing existing clients. Bucket number two is intentional networking and referrals. And now at number three is to build and leverage your inbound marketing engine and then multi-touch, multi-channel targeted sales outreach. And then speaking about thought leadership is the way that I've arranged the five buckets now. So I mean, help for our listeners from your perspective, you know, why use, you know, you know, like, I mean, you elaborate, but dig a little more into why use inbound marketing. I mean, you know, is number three the right spot for it? I mean, if you know, or, or I don't know, what do you think? Go sure. ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, there, there's so much value in being a seller. I'm a seller. I've been selling things my entire life, right? Um, right there, right there along you guys. Uh, but what's really, really excellent about being a salesperson within an organization that believes in inbound marketing is that all of that cold outreach that's really valuable and that you have to be doing is augmented by the fact that people might actually know who you are, right? right? They might have read your blogs. They might have done some type of research on your information. If you're using a software tool like HubSpot or, or any of the others out there that do some of the things that we do, you might even know that about the person before you call them, right? So if you're allowing them to do research about you on your site and you're giving them valuable content, right? Not just, not just salesy content, but valuable content, then when you do call them, you can you can strategically change what you might be talking about, right? If you know right. that you know you're selling something in manufacturing and they were they were reading about the way that your ball bearings are constructed, I don't know, I'm not a manufacturer, right? But if that's what they were reading about on your website and they really care about that, then you can actually lead in with that kind of information. So I, I think it makes a lot of sense that you moved it up within your buckets because really what it's doing is it's allowing you to sell in a way that is what your prospect cares about, right? Um, one thing that we say internally at HubSpot all the time, our, our uh, fat, one of our founders, Brian Halligan, says it all the time is, is it's not what you sell, it's how you sell, right? right? How you sell is why you win. And you're able to sell very differently when you have all of this information about who you're selling to and they have all this information about you as well so that they can ask good questions, you can give good information, just changes the whole conversation. Okay. 
I, th I think the whole thing in the selling process, whatever we can do to warm up our sales meeting helps us, right? And so bucket number one ends up being customer success and existing clients because that's probably your warmest lead as an existing client, right? Absolutely. And then intentional networking and referral is a warm lead. So, I mean, inbound marketing helps warm up our cold outreach in, in essence, or creates a warm, you know, warmer inbound lead, if you will. I mean, that's what that's about. Um, I don't, Larry, anything you I might mean, add? At least that's, the, that's the theory, that, that's the theory, right? I mean, uh, I've seen companies that do inbound poorly. So the question is, is what do you do? Uh, how, how do you get away from that? If the whole point of inbound is to be, as a number of authors describe, making deposits as opposed to kind of constantly making withdrawals, um, if that's what inbound is supposed to be, then realistically, let's talk about something that I see a lot today, what I call inbound cold, right? Just because someone looked at a, a LinkedIn ad or downloaded a white paper or looked at a blog page or something like that or opened a newsletter doesn't necessarily mean that they actually give a one hoot about what it is that they, that they just opened. And, and what I see a lot of people making the assumptions, oh, this person opened my email, I should call them. I should send them another email, right? It's like, maybe not, maybe not. Yeah. It's kind of like going to the bank, making a so, deposit, then going outside of the bank and going and pulling and withdrawal. Okay. So, so Ryan, I guess the thing is, you know, um, what are some of the common mistakes people are making that in sometimes gives inbound a bad name or, you know, how do, how do people most often fail at doing inbound? What, what is it they're doing wrong? Yeah. Um, so the number one reason people fail at inbound, um, it's a little bit related, not related to, to a little bit of a Blair's point there, which, so I'll, I'll address that too. But the number one people fail just to answer that before I forget is lack of consistency, right? So you just put out some information and leave it there and cross your fingers and hope it works. Um, you have to be constantly pushing out content, whether it's blog posts, other types of like white papers, those types of things, um, social content, et cetera. You can't, you can't do it on the first week of every month and think that's going to work, right? Like there has to be a level of consistency. So by far and away, that's the number one pe reason people fail at, at doing inbound, but, but really more so um, Blair, to your point, a lot of people do inbound poorly, right? They may be consistent, but they're doing it poorly and they're doing it in a way that may actually turn people away. Uh, and the way that you tend to do that is by, it's really that they're trying too hard to sell, right? Obviously our goal in all of this is to sell more stuff, whatever it is that we're selling. But if you're, if you're approaching inbound, just trying to sell that is going to come across in your content and then it's going to come across in your sales strategy after people engage with that content right um so what you the the lens that you should always be approaching inbound from is how do i help people make a purchasing decision hopefully you're not in business because you think that you're the worst offering in your space right like you think that you're the best offering or at least one of the best offerings so you should help people understand why you should help people understand what they should be looking at when they're make, considering making a purchase within your space. And by doing that, by being truly helpful, and even occasionally maybe being honest about where your, your product might fall short from other products, 
that's not necessarily, uh, hopefully it's not the most glaring thing. It's not the most important feature or function within your product. People are going to appreciate that, right? They're going to appreciate that your company is willing to be honest. Um, and then kind of take that one step further when you're putting out inbound content, right? That does need to be consistent in order for you to see success with the content that you're putting out. Uh, but the content you're putting out should not be cookie cutter in the same over and over, right? There should be content for different stages of a, of a consideration process, right? So we need some content that's really focused on attracting individuals, right? But then once we've attract, attracted them, hopefully we're using some kind of software to recognize that. We don't need salespeople calling them as soon as they've seen a blog, right? Or as soon as they've interacted with LinkedIn posts. Right. But we should know that they exist and we should start pushing out some a little bit deeper down the rabbit hole content to them. Right. So that now we're engaging with them a bit more that they're really, you know, spending more time on on what we're putting out there. And then we start to see these these markers of their them being interested at HubSpot, for example, as a salesperson here, one of the main things that we're looking for is when somebody ends up making their way to our pricing page. Right somebody hits the pricing page of calling them, um, right? That's that's a huge buying signal. If somebody's just reading how to do inbound marketing, I'm gonna leave them alone because they're really early in the process of figuring out if this is right for them. Uh, so we really need to establish these different levels of content that, that speak to different parts of the buying journey and then allow our salespeople to understand, hey, here's when a qualified lead is truly qualified. Right. This is when you should be calling and this is where you should be spending your time. Right. It's, it's interesting about creating content for top, mid and bottom funnel of the customer journey. That's an interesting concept. So so I, you brought that up. I mean, from a HubSpot terminology, Ryan, you, you talk about the attracting stage. So mm -hmm. so what what do you what is it that you and HubSpot recommend as the right content when, when you're in the attract stage? What, what does that content look like? What, what forms, what, you know, how would you describe the content for that stage? Yeah, absolutely. So when we talk about the attract stage, we're just trying to, to generate awareness, right? We're really trying to generate awareness of what we do, why we do it, why we're different, right? Um, but it doesn't have to be super specific, right? Really, it's, it's as helpful and as informative as it gets in that attract stage. It's the least salesy piece of our content, right? We're, we're pushing ourselves the absolute least there. Um, so it's more around if I were to just make up some pieces of content, right? You might have a blog that is, you know, I'll speak in, in HubSpot terms. We might have like the 10 things that you should be doing within inbound to make sure that you're driving traffic to your website, right? Like that is very high level. I would almost call it fluffy type of right. content, right? Where we're not hammering product down someone's throat. We are just helping them understand the concepts within the world in which we play and giving them a lot of information to, to gather and, and um, kind of chew on, I guess. So, and then, I mean, I guess you mentioned, uh, you know, if somebody's moved from research and inbound to checking the pricing page it is one of those times where maybe it's time to move from attracting to to engaging or or, or something of that sort i mean what, what are what are other signals that hubspot sees as far as people move that it's time to move from um attract to engage yeah so another really common 
way that we can recognize that would be with something we call a score, right? So um, HubSpot, as well as other softwares, have the functionality to score your prospects based on the actions that they may take on your web properties. Um, so as an example, a score may go up because somebody's just spending a lot of time on your content, right? So maybe they, they're really only engaging with some of that higher level, top of the funnel content, but they're doing it all the time, right? Um, so we're gonna give them a score or, or add to their score as they do that, right? So maybe every one of those attract types pieces right. of content are worth two points, right? So if they look at 20 of those pages in a month, their score could go from zero to 40 in a month, right? right. And then maybe we have another score related to their title. And we know that VPs of marketing tend to be the people who buy from HubSpot, right? So when we see VP of marketing, maybe that adds another 15 points. And right. then I could have something within my system as a seller that tells me, hey, when somebody reaches 50 points, it's probably time to reach out yeah. to them. They've done enough research. So, I mean, it sounds like we're really talking about buyer intent now. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, and, and, uh, I guess, what do you see going on in the industry with respect to technologies and tools and in the whole quote unquote buyer intent world? What, you know, where are we at? Where, where have we been? Where are we? And where are we going from a buyer intent point of view? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so much technology out there right now to understand when somebody is interested in something. Right. I think you know, there, there's so many different things that you could work with. There's uh, from a seller's point of view, there's like sequencing so that you just make sure that you're always emailing and you're always connecting on LinkedIn so that when they're ready, they reach out. There's, uh, there's the things like, like, uh, like within HubSpot and, and others where we're really tracking what people do on a website and applying scores and whatnot, like you said, um, there's so much out there. I think, I think sellers though can get lost in those a lot of the time, right? They put too much trust in just the technology doing it. Right because they don't necessarily realize the marketing that has to live on the back end of that, right? Uh, if you're just reaching out and you have nothing to reach out with, you're just reaching out, hi, I'm a seller, do you need me yet? Hi, I'm a seller, do you need me right. yet? That's not valuable. So right. a lot of the time what we'll do is, even in my sales outreach, as opposed to it just being, hi, I'm from HubSpot, do you need HubSpot yet? I saw you look at the pricing page. We can really start to help push people towards intent. Uh, what I mean by that is if somebody is on our site and they looked at a blog about how to handle the iOS 15 changes um, and, and cookie policy changes and all this technical stuff that I barely even understand, right? But I know that they're looking at that stuff and then they look at the pricing page. So I got that pricing page alert. I'm not just going to say, hey, I'm a seller. I saw you looked at the pricing page. What do you want? I'm going to say, Hey, I'm Ryan. Nice to meet you. I'm your growth specialist over here at HubSpot. I noticed that you were looking at information about iOS 15 and what's going on there. Is that something that's concerning to your business? Here's another blog post that you probably didn't see that I think might be valuable, right? Um, so I start to lead with information that I know that they care about when they're starting to show intent so that I can push them more towards intent, or they could tell me what it would take to push them more towards intent. Yeah. The, uh, and, and I guess, and I think that's one of those things that we're trying to get across to everybody is, is trying to take time to understand what is the intent of the buyer on the journey at this time. I think, in fact, actually, I mean, in the, you mentioned the HubSpot sequence tool, 
you know, it, it, it used to be a situation where you'd, you'd build your templates, you'd go on autopilot, away you go. Of course, you know, now the tool's been modified to where, you know, do you do you really want to send the automated email or, 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 or do you want to personalize each and every email? I mean, to, to be more human in the middle of your sequence to where you take the task and basically, you know, you modify the template based on what you know about the prospect, right? And I mean, that's, and that's another thing is, I mean, that tool is trying to adjust to the buyer intent, right? And, uh, just, just, and just curious, Ryan, do you, do you think that, that can you describe the types of content that you think help us understand or help, would, help, would help our listeners understand where, wh what type of content would be a good indication of intent? Like obviously if someone goes to your website through a PPC ad, through a social ad, whatever, whatever the case is, other than a direct traffic link, Right, they get to your site. They take they they come to your storefront. Basically, they start taking a look around. They look at your homepage. They look at the about us page. They read a couple of they, maybe they read an article. Maybe they don't read an article. Who knows what? And what other stuff do we need to have in the storefront that people will want to engage with? So we know that there actually is some intent there. Yeah, great question. Um, so when we talk about some of the higher, like the top of the funnel type content, right? We want that all to be publicly available, right? We don't, don't need to gate it all. We don't need to do any of that, right? So we have our blog posts, we have all of that. But then within that and within the storefront, we want to start including calls to action. Um, so calls to action being, hey, here's some piece of content that is more targeted to you actually making this decision and moving forward. Um, so I'll give you an example. I kind of used manufacturing before, right? Something like a spec sheet, right? Like if somebody really needs to get down into the nitty gritty and look at like sizes and specs and, and whatever, right? Like that's where we can say, yes, you can have our spec sheet. Here's a form you need to fill out first with your information, right? Um, so we start gating some of those things or like an implementation guide. If we're talking about something in the software world, right? Like what does it take to like, use HubSpot again? Cause that's what I'm most familiar with, right? What does it take to implement HubSpot? Um, here's, here's a form, fill that out. We'll send you a 10 page PDF so that you understand what you'd be getting into. That's huge right. levels of intent, right? Because somebody really wants to understand, okay, if I, I feel good about everything I've researched, if I, if I spend the money, what's it going to take for me to make it work? Uh, I, find, I find a lot, I find a lot of clients are using the concept of a white paper as a gated content piece. And, and the majority of the time, the white papers, for lack of a better, for, you know, to be nice, they're basically just fluff pieces, mm -hmm. right? The, so they, they took the content, sent it to a graphic designer, they made it look nice and pretty. And then we have a cover, we have three pages of fluff, one page of something interesting, and and, 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 and a back page with contact details. So mm -hmm. I'm not sure that that actually quali that, that, that type of content should be gated. What do you think? I would say, I would say most of the time now, I think, I think what, what needs to change is that you need to gate white papers that actually have really valuable information in them. Right. Um, so a fluffy white paper, I don't think should be gated, and it probably should honestly just be a blog. Right. Um, you should put that up as a blog instead where everybody can get to it and then yeah. gate, gate, a, gate a, a white paper or something similar that has information. Normally, you would only let your salesperson tell them. Right. Wow. right. But but I, I guess the part, though, is 
you may even gate some of the quote unquote attract material just to get them in your system, right? Just so you know they're in the system. You're going to gate some of that just, you know, or, or early on. Somehow or another, you want to capture the email address at some point. But I think the the idea is as we're moving from somebody that's, you know, in an attract phase to engage phase, I think I like the idea of, okay, you know, somebody's asked for pricing, which was probably gated information. Anything related to the, how do I implement it? I think that, I mean, I forget whether Blair or Ryan is the first, but I think, I think that makes a lot of a sense. Something related to implementation plans. I mean, it, it's that old, when when the person's might gone from, what's this about to, okay, let's pretend I own it. Now, what what are the questions and think, what, what are the questions I'm gonna ask if I am pretending I own it? And I think that's the material we wanna gate and engage with when somebody gets to that stage, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Competitor type information, right? Like, let me see a comparison between HubSpot and Salesforce, right? Um, Those types of things that, um, yeah, anything that's going a little bit beyond the generalities of like, what is this, right? Like, we don't need to, we don't need to gate what you do. We need to gate further down the line of how you get to actually doing that. Yeah. So, so on, I mean, on your flywheel or uh, on the HubSpot flywheel, I guess, before we go to the delight stage, I mean, Blair, is there anything else you'd like us to, to discuss no, about just, the, the attract engage sex section or no, Ryan, no, anything I, else I, you'd I, go ahead. I, I, I just think it's really important that, that small business owners really understand that if you're using a tool like HubSpot or, or, or you're using the digital, and I think a better way to describe it, the digital environment to, to try and attract people, you need to think of it as just like the signage you have outside of your uh, of your shop, right? Like the, be- the better, the clearer, the better messaging, the better the way it is, the easier it's gonna be for people to understand why they should walk into your store as to walk out of your store. If you have garbage all over the front of your store and it doesn't look like it's a, a really nice place to walk into, people aren't just going to show up, right? If people don't understand what you do, people aren't really going to show up. It's not really going to happen. So I think it's important that we, 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 we come to realize that we need to use scoring in a much more sophisticated manner, right? And we need to have more open content and less gated content on all of our sites because basically all we're doing is and you know, we see it in our practice today with our clients. They gate the content, we get the context information, we call the person, they say, Yeah, I was just, you know, doing whatever, or I don't really remember it's, doing what I don't really remember clicking on that. Yep. Or doing right? yeah. literally, you just wasted a salesperson's five minutes on that one particular a- action. Yeah. I think Blair, you bring up a really good point as we talk about that attract part. Uh, and Ryan, you're talking about the valuable part. Uh, I mean, I've spoke with both of you separately on this whole matter. You know, Donald Miller and Clarity and building a story brand. I mean, that, that whole concept, small B2B business owner, make sure your message is clear and it's talking to your prospect and, and that they hear what's going on. And it's very, and it's simple, uh, simple message. You know, we, we've talked about that, but I think that's another key part of getting the attract right is that simple, clear, clear message while you're sharing the content, right? Absolutely. Um, one other thing that I just thought of too, while we were talking through that before I forget about it. Um, another, 
like when we talk about gating content versus not gating content content another really great best practice is that like your main content again shouldn't be gated right so let's talk about a blog post as an example so we may have a blog post that talks about a topic and helps educate someone on a topic you should still have something gated available on that blog post for somebody to access to right which could be some type of a guide that is related to that main piece of content so i'll give you an example right if you if going back to hubspot again if we had a blog post about blogging right so we're going to talk about blogging how often you should do it all those kinds of things that's all going to be available for anybody to read that's very helpful content but then we're going to have a cta a call to action um, that is a gated piece of content that's going to be something like here are 10 blog templates right so you're going to fill out the form so you can get access to these templates that's going to help you actually go write your own blogs again right. part of our software is for blogging so we're going to know intent there like they are planning on going and blogging because they got it templates, right that, that, that valid valid point um i get i guess i i was gonna I'm headed towards the last part of your flywheel and the delight stage, but, but I don't want to skip, get there too fast. Uh, anything, Blair, anything else on the attractor no, engaging no, question I, I think, there? I think, I think, I think, I think that's the key point. The key point is that we need to create a storefront that people want to go visit. We want them to go back on off often on a regular basis. We want to be providing them value when they're there for right. them to show up. And then we have the permission to actually ask for something. Right. But but I think that other part of being able to determine intent and, and paying attention to what that buyer intent to help you in your sales process as you move 100%. from attract to engage, right? 100%, 100%. And this is where I think a lot of small business owners miss it, right? Yeah. They're pushing, 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 pushing instead of trying to pull people towards them. Yeah. So, so so tell us about what content and, and how do we use the the delight part of your flywheel in that whole concept yeah so once we've attracted and engaged um that's when we get into into the idea of delight um and so there's 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 a couple of different ways that you can kind of interpret delight um delight applies both to prospects people that you might sell to as well as to clients um, so it goes, it, it ties a lot back to your first bucket that you were talking about earlier, where you're looking to sell more to your current client right. base, right? Um, you're going to be able to do that by providing this level of delight, right? Um, so a couple of things to, to think about there. First of all, if you have a new client uh, or a new a prospect who's very close to becoming a client, what type of content might they need to be extremely successful with your product immediately? Right? How do we how do we take the time from purchase to success uh, and shorten that as much as possible via content? Right. So that that's a very important piece to that. But it's also how do we keep our current clients extremely happy so that they help either bring us more clients or they purchase more from us? Um, so a lot of the time, the content there is more around like customer service content. How how do I do something? Right. So a knowledge base, for instance, where they can easily find answers to the most frequently asked questions about your product and your software or your whatever your offering is. Um, as an example, again, I, I'm sorry, I keep tying this back to HubSpot, but uh, right. So the HubSpot knowledge base, if there's almost anything that you want to make HubSpot do that that we do, 
you're going to find that in our knowledge base with very, very clear step-by-step -step guide on how to achieve whatever that thing is. Um, right. So being able to put something like that out, out front of your clients is going to make them extremely happy to work with you because you're going to make it very easy to work with. Um, and then when they do have those opportunities to bring referrals and more business to you, it's going to be a no brainer. Um, the last thing is ways for them to refer, right? So that should be content as well. How do you connect one of your, uh, your colleagues, your someone within your network, how do you connect to them with this company, right? Um, how do we like to receive referrals? Um, that type of information being available is also something that just makes it much easier for them to make that, that introduction or handoff. All right. Um, you know, as I'm, I'm listening to the discussion, I, and I know in supporting this inbound, you guys continue to add more technology, but I guess, I mean, what are some other technologies that, I guess, sit outside of HubSpot? I mean, one of the biggest things is ecosystems today of of marketplaces and things of that sort. I mean, in, in, in making this engine work, what are some of the technologies that sit outside that's real important to be able to tightly integrate with platforms like HubSpot? Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that's that's really important or becoming more and more important, even though sometimes it's a bit annoying, is like text messaging, right? Um, people do like to receive text message, messages. It's not something that HubSpot does today. Um, it's something that does integrate into HubSpot though, right? So right. giving somebody the ability to say, I'd like to receive information from you via text message versus a call. Um, so how do we integrate something like that really tightly? Um, another example is how you're gonna collect payment, right? Um, one thing that, especially in small B2B businesses that I see often when I work with them is that like they don't necessarily make it extremely easy to pay them. Uh, and that is, that takes away from the delight side of things, right? If you make mm -hmm. it hard to pay your bill, right? I, I don't, I don't like cutting checks for real and putting them in the mail anymore. I still have to do it for some of the different companies that, that I have services from, right? How easy do you make it for me to pay? Um, right. so I think those are two, two really key ones. Um, open to, if you guys, yeah, I, I, I can, I can relate an experience that I had with, uh, with a, with a vendor not so long ago. It was really, really hard to get something. Their, their entire sale process was really hard. It's like, I've used the product before. I know what it does. I know what I want it to do. I know what it looks like in comparison to everybody else. I just want to buy it. Right. Right. That, that's and a good point. Like, uh, and literally, I had to like send like a bunch of emails and had a, a couple of phone calls. I'm like, dude, I just want to buy it. <laughs> like, I just yep. want to buy it. Right. And, yep. and, and, and they're like, well, are you sure we'll set you up with this is no, no, I want to buy it. I'm ready to buy. It. But what was very interesting about that entire process was that they had a technology where they said, look, I'm, you're going to get a phone call and you're going to put your, your credit card information in there. And when that's done, it's going to, the payment is going to be accepted and you're going to start going. I thought that was a very unique process because normally we like, Give me your credit card information. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't know you. I don't know, I, Ryan, I just met you. I'm not giving yeah. you my credit card information. Right. I'm just not going to do that. Right. right. Please. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but 
you know, I found it fascinating that when it came time to actually execute on a transaction, seamless. Just getting to the point where it was to do a transaction, painful. Right. Okay. Well, and so making that part of that buyer's journey as easy as possible, you know, I just want to, like, when when the client, this is, the, you know, the, David and I have learned this from the old school, old school days. When the client gives you the buying indicator, your job as the salesperson is to do one thing and one thing only. Shut up. Yep. <laughs> Shut up. Right. So, Blair, you got any other questions or anything for Ryan? No, I, I think I think we've covered a lot of the content issues. Um, I mean, the the, the 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 amazing thing about the digital environment is we have the ability to track everything, right? And and realistically, the concepts to be able to track the efficacy of everything. But one of the things that I think that's a problem out in the in digital ecosystem is the stuff that's the offline stuff. We don't do a very good job of tracking the offline stuff still. Any thoughts about how to do that, Ryan? Yeah. Um... So it's such a, it's such a challenge because tracking the offline stuff, we have to lean on our, typically our salespeople to do that, right? Lean on them to take notes, actually enter those notes into a CRM, um, mm -hmm. to, uh, log, even just logging emails and those types of things can be really difficult, um, to get a salesperson to do and to do effectively. Um, I've been working in the CRM space for, for quite some time and it's always a challenge, right? Every new CRM implementation is a challenge uh, because not only do we have to handle change management, we might have sellers who are very stuck in their ways. Even myself, I literally sell CRM for a living. I have 10 sticky notes up on my, on my computer right now that I probably should have in the CRM, right? Um, <laughs> you win. I have All right. six. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, like, I think I think the key the key to getting um, to getting salespeople to actually input all these offline activities so that we can have them understand them, use them when we market. Um, the number one key is to make it valuable for them, right? Like putting your information into a CRM has to actually do something for you versus just help your boss know what you did. Um, so, right. Yeah. So it's a pretty, an interesting point because a, a couple of a couple of applications I'm I'm actually got some demos scheduled this week to better understand is how does how does map my customer and badger work and work with HubSpot for those clients that I have that still spend a lot of time doing walk-ins um, as an example and I'm hoping to learn from them and what they do there. Be, you know how how do how can we how do we make that work and how does that fit into the people that aren't doing walk-ins coming back to you know the the other you know side of services and how do we make those work but uh but again it's uh and uh, you know understanding what are the other side applications that can integrate with the crm and, and get everything in one place i mean you talked about text messaging i've got one of those applications so that on my my new cadences I alternate between voicemail and text messages. And of course, you know, but, but all that content is now inside my CRM because I've used an application that works like that. So you're right. Yeah, but, I, I think to that point, right? Like if your, if your CRM is helping your salesperson sell better, then they're actually gonna put the information in because they're driven 
typically buy money and buy selling more because that's right. how they want to make money. So if you allow, if you give them a CRM that helps them actually achieve their quota easier, faster, exceed their quota, quota easier, faster, they're going to use the CRM. If you just right. give them a database and tell them we need your data in the database, they don't care. Right. Well, I, you know, uh, the guys that I work with, they make hundreds of phone calls a day or, or, or maybe a little bit less than hundreds of phone calls a day. It really just depends on the prospect. But they, they very quickly, they come to realize that if they don't put notes in the system, they don't remember what happened on the last conversation. Definitely. Right. They don't remember what the next thing was. So, you know, and this is, I like to say software is built for people. People don't operate around software. Right. So if the software isn't doing, or the system isn't doing what you <clears> want <throat> it to do, you need to fix the system. Don't fix the people. Well, the people are going to be the people. That, absolutely. And Blair, how many times say, get the leadership and culture right, get the strategy right, right get the people and process right, select and implement the tools that support the process people and strategy, not the other way around. Exactly. Exactly. Ryan, uh, I, we're, we're coming up to here to the end. What, what would you like to add or share or anything else before we go? I think this has been really great. I just really appreciate you guys uh, uh, having me on and letting me, uh, let me spout my stuff here for a few minutes. And uh, yeah, I just think I, I'm excited that more and more businesses are kind of taking on this approach of help first, sell after. And I think it's going to help those customers or those those uh, businesses sell a lot more in the long run. Um, yeah. So I'm just I'm just excited to see and experience that as a purchaser myself more and more often. Well, we really appreciate you taking time to join us, Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. My pleasure. Well, Blair, I, I enjoyed having uh, having my friend Ryan join us today to talk about inbound. I guess what were your biggest takeaways from today's discussion, or what are some thoughts that come to mind? I mean, for me, the thing is, is that understanding that there are different types of content that you need to attract, engage, and delight people, and what that needs to look like, and not, it's it's like you know, you go with you go with somebody for the, on your first date, you're not going to ask them to marry you on your first date. You're going to like go through a couple of steps before you get to that place. And I thought that was very that was very enlightening to me because I think a lot of our small business owners aren't really sure where to start and aren't really sure where to finish. And that, I think that's the key point. I, I will tell you the biggest takeaway from me today, you know, in, you know, in addition to the importance of attracting, you know, the importance of clear messages, you know, you and I, you know, we've talked about that before, but it, and I, I've heard the discussion about buyer intent, but, but as it was going through today, it seemed to click for me, the importance of coupling the inbound and the outbound. To where the inbound that inbound marketing process may or may not give me a true lead but it may help coach me on the intent of some prospects that sure. that it may be a cold outreach that actually makes it happen uh -huh. sure. by reading the intent of the buyer on the inbound marketing journey right. and and i don't know in this whole outbound versus inbound i think that's an example of where all bound really makes a difference. And I think that that's probably my, one of my bigger takeaways for today. But. Sure. Right. It, it makes sense. It makes sense to me. What, what else did, what, what did you think about his statement about the different types of content or the way that they were really creating attractions? 
Well, I, I think I think that uh, the idea of understanding that we want to attract first and and just put stuff out there, and then you know, gate it as the intent is is growing, and, and you know, and, and 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 so what we're really, you know, I guess part of that situation, you know, that alleviates part of your problem that you were talking about, right? If that stuff's free. You, you, your salespeople don't even know they're looking there yet, right? So they're not picking up right. the phone and premature call, calling. Right. Uh, so that's that's actually a, a fringe benefit to that is that the data is there as buyers are engaging as opposed to just window shopping. Right, and and I think even if you, even if you had a large database of prospects or customers, <laughs> right, and you were publishing content on a regular basis. You don't really need to be telling everybody, all 20,000 people in your CRM, that you've just published a new blog post. It's not really that necessary, right? Right. If you're if you're if you're if you're targeting it specifically for a specific reason, that's that's right. when you would send somebody an email. I've seen some some clients who send two, three, four emails a day about a new a week about a new blog post that they put out. Yeah. All right. Well, always great to see you, Blair. Thank you much. And, you and too, sir. I look forward to talking with you on our next session. All right. Take care. See you next week.